Welcome back to the Time Shifters Podcast. Back here in studio with your hosts, Christopher and Matt. Matt, how you been? I'm good. How about you? Doing pretty well. Um, glad that the, you here in the uh, Midwest, the weather is finally broken, and we are not being crushed by humidity and heat. And so I'm, I'm enjoying it, especially since the house's air conditioning has been out for a couple weeks. <laughs> so I'm really liking the cooler weather. That had to be rough. Yeah. Fall showed up on cue. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, it's it was, the 22nd. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, here. It was perfect. Really enjoying it. So let's see, before we get into any news or anything like that, I just remind everybody our contact information. Find uh, almost almost all these links over there at timeshifterspodcast.com. If you want to send an email or anything, send it to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. And come and join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com and search for the Timeshifters group. And then follow us on Twitter at timeshifterspod and at moviesatthemat. I think that's all the oh of course t public go catch yourself a shirt i finally did buy a shirt chose a color got the nice maroon so I okay like it. yeah looks good that's about all the important bits so let, yeah to the news desk what do we got going on uh well you know this it'll have been out for a little bit but we had some trailers drop since you know you and i last sat down to that's record. true so uh i want to start with the more serious not more serious one but i guess the less action one is they dropped the trailer for the movie Stan and Ollie, mm-hmm. which is the mm-hmm. Laurel and Hardy movie with John C. Riley and Steve Coogan. And I remember when this movie got announced a while back, and then I completely forgot about it because no new info was like coming across like what I follow. And then the trailer had the misfortune of dropping the exact same day as the Captain Marvel trailer. Yeah, it kind of got swallowed up there right and so the trailer came across my twitter feed and i was like oh this happened today too <laughs> and it looked really good it does i just watched it I, it popped up in your feed it popped into a couple other people's feed it was in facebook i'm like oh i need to check that out I need to check it out and i never got around to it and just before we started recording i finally watched it yes it looks incredible um i don't know as much about laurel and hardy as Many people might assume I would as much of a, of a fan of old comedy and old movies I am. I never really dived into the Laurel and Hardy uh, film, but I know of them. I've seen them, and these two, I, it's like watching them. I mean, yeah. it. I love it when actors, I, until they put up the names of these people, it was like, who are these guys? Right. I, I love it when actors can literally lose themselves in the roles that they're playing, and all you see is Oliver and Hardy, or yeah, Oliver and Hardy, <laughs> Stan Laurel, Laurel and Hardy, Laurel and Hardy, Stan Laurel, Oliver Hardy. There you go. That's all you see on this film, and it, it is it is amazing. It's kind of like, oh, where'd they find this lost footage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it seemed interesting because it, it looks like it's diving into kind of the the later half of their mm-hmm. career. It's not maybe it'll touch on like how they got together and met, but it seems as though this was the breakup. Yeah. And then the comeback. Right. And that seems like it'll kind of be one of those like feel good stories. Maybe it'll still kind of have like a bittersweet ending. Not Mm -hmm. sure. But the trailer just made it seem as though this was two friends who kind of had a very bad falling out and then found each other again. Yeah. That sounds like a sweet story to tell. Absolutely. No, it looks good. And yeah, I don't know anything about the history of a Laurel and Hardy. So I don't know. I don't know how close this is going to be. I mean, I think this is going to be something where I'm going to have to actually maybe, you know, read a book or something and actually find the truth. And then maybe I'll watch the movie first. And then, 
That's what I think I'll do. I'll watch the movie first, and that's going to make me want to go like fact check the movie and read up on these guys, and and then learn a bit more, and then check out just whatever I can find from their careers. But yeah, start with this movie. I think what I may do because it's really easy to do is I may go back and watch some of their early films, or just watch some of their films before seeing yeah. this movie. Just kind of just get a little bit more experience in the character and, and the people and the and the characters that they played. Nice. Through their films, so yeah, it looked really good. But yeah, so you mentioned it, Captain Marvel dropped. Captain Marvel trailer dropped, and that looked so good. It looked like a lot of fun. Just just from the moment that she crashes into blockbuster. I video. love that. Okay, we need to we we need to really f- let people know that this is set in the nineties. How do we do that? Blockbuster <laughs> video, alive and well. <laughs> that was brilliant and. For, for someone who worked at Blockbuster, they they nailed it. It looked just like Blockbuster. They show it inside, like they even got the shelves right. <laughs> Makes the right wonder, color brown. I wonder if they went and just found an old abandoned one, turned the lights back on, polished it up, and then <laughs> yeah. just you know broke through the ceiling. <laughs> it's, it was it's either set in the '90s or uh, where was it? Uh, Oregon is like the last Blockbuster, <laughs> right? They had to agree to be in this, yeah, and get their roof smashed. But yeah, it seems as though they're going to kind of tell, you know, because it's going to be the origin story, but people are a little bit tired about superhero origin stories. So it seems as though they're going to kind of tell it different, that it's going to start with her already being a superhero, already having lived like her adventure out in space. Maybe some flashback to get the origin. Right. And that what I was reading is that she's come back to Earth, but she actually is having a very difficult time remembering who she was before she became Captain Marvel. Oh, so maybe we are going to be revealed her origins kind of the same time as she is. Exactly. So that seems like a different take on the origin story rather than just sort of like ABC, now you've got powers and then head out and fight and defeat the villain and there you go. That this maybe like she's already been through some stuff. Right. And then we're going to see what looked to be an amazing de-aged Samuel Jackson. That was incredible. I don't yeah. know, I'm not sure what the budget of the film is, but I got to think like a quarter of it is just like de-aging some of these actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing that I noticed is they kept showing his face, but they didn't show him talk. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that thing's just still kind of being worked on a little bit. Oh, it's like the, the facial movement and the mouth movement. Yeah, that's going to be, you can de-age in, like a static photo. Right. But yeah, to get him actually moving and talking and not notice the softness and the manipulation right. uh, is going to be tough. But. They, they did some good camera tricks in the trailer. If you go back and rewatch, you think you see him talking, but really he's just finishing a sentence as his face is turning away. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably not done yet. <laughs> There's still some <laughs> maybe, work to or do. Maybe they'll, they'll kind of limit it. Maybe if they edit it and film it just right, they can limit the amount of time you actually see his face while he's talking which would probably be the better move to yeah, do yeah they also had a uh, very brief look at uh, what clark gregg is agent colson with a lot of hair a lot of hair <laughs> thought that was fun that a was very cool. prominent chin <laughs> yes uh, so yeah he'll be he'll be in and definitely be in the in the film yeah it looks good it looks like a lot of fun brie larson looks incredible yes i'm um, such a big fan of her she's gonna be great as, mm-hmm. as carol danvers and as captain marvel i look forward to that yeah so it's, it, it looks good it, it looks like the kind of origin story that you i it just looks like the kind of origin story that you want i yeah. guess it's just that it's not just all yeah like you were saying just by the numbers and go here go here go here you know we're gonna 
get little bits and pieces, and we're probably not going to get it all. That's what I like. You know, we're not going to find that. Oh, I remember everything. Right? No, probably not. She's probably still going to have kind of a Swiss cheese memory and fill in the gaps with other films. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> I, that could be fun. And if you're telling me that the future of like the Avengers movies is Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Spider Man. To me, that's more exciting than like the current lineup of you know Iron Man, Captain America, and all of that. Yeah, like, I you know I love them all. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the Captain America and the Iron Mans and everything. Those Same. are great, but I don't need them to always be there. Right. You got so many other characters that you can play with, man. Right. Just come on, give me something else. Uh-huh. You know, those it's... guys were fun. I'm not going to say that one's better than another or anything. That oh, Black Panther or Spider Man's better than the Iron Man or the, but. It's okay to have more than one. Yes, and you know it's okay to leave them behind. We had them; they were fun. You don't have to recast them. You don't have to do anything. You can say they were there, but now we're going to tell these stories, right? And what's interesting is, you know, you with like Captain America and Iron Man and the Hulk, and even Thor to an extent. Those those were very much like punch, smash them up kind of superheroes. And now you're getting into Captain Marvel with powers and Spider Man with his webbing and. Black Panther with the technology and, mm-hmm. you know, Doctor Strange with the sorcery. Like, we're going to see very different battles. It's not just punch the villain into submission. It's, like, what can be done. And, like, we saw it in Infinity War a little bit, like, when Doctor Strange took on uh, Thanos. Like, that was a very different kind of fight. And if yeah. those are the fights down the road with all of these other characters, that's going to be very visually pleasing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you'll see it'll probably a lot different villains too that they have yeah. to put them against because no longer can the uh i'm just a you know a crook who found this technology and now i'm gonna be evil you know right you know that doesn't that only goes so far right <laughs> yeah. so i look forward for what's coming down the road with these new set of characters leading the way yeah absolutely and that's gonna be fun we got any other any other news or any other trailers that not trailers, but the other news that broke, and again, it'll be a bit old when this comes out, but rumors keep swirling. There's no definitive concrete answer, but it very much seems as though Henry Cavill is out oh, as yeah, Superman. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah. yeah. So apparently he was in talks to appear in the Shazam movie as a cameo, but with his you know popularity increasing and he's doing more movies, mm-hmm. he couldn't figure it out, and then the talks broke down... And it seems as though he's walked away. Right. Yeah, it sounds like the the talks broke down for the Shazam, but something happened with that that it just cascaded and fell straight into his actual Superman films. So, yeah, there's a chance that he's just going to walk away from everything. Right. And But then the day that came out, his agent said, don't worry, the cape is still in his closet. He posted this weird cryptic video where he's just sitting there wearing a t-shirt that says like krypton lifting company um and then he's just like holding up a doll of superman and then he puts it down and he says nothing throughout the whole video it was bizarre and that was it and he just had the caption that just said well today was interesting no one knows what this means and so people are starting to wonder like was this all just like fabricated just to kind of get people talking about the dc movies or was it a third party on the outside that just boy that that looked like maybe he He's leaving the, the movies, the franchise. Right. Yeah. But again, nobody just came out and said, no, that's not true. He's in negotiation. So it's weird right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, those movies are a mess. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. wish they could get it together. 
I think Cavill makes a good Superman. He's all right. I, I think I think he's I think some of the writing, much like Affleck with Batman, yes. I think a lot of the writing has let him down. Yeah, the writing because he's a very good actor. He's a very dynamic actor. When you actually like see a director in a script, let him be him. He can bring a lot to a role. Whereas with Zack Snyder, it was just be stoic, right. don't say much, and have superpowers. Yeah, but he absolutely has the look. I mean, there was a few shots when he first came out and they started showing some promo shots and everything. You'd swear you saw a little bit of Chris Reeves. A little bit, um, you know, yeah. And I'm so like, wow. I mean, this is the guy that should have taken over the mantle right from the beginning. Which he tried to do. He yeah. was what part of that, like, uh, test screening for Superman Returns. It just didn't go to him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he's wanted this role for a long time. I just wonder if he is over it at this point yeah, because it hasn't gone well. Um, yeah, so who knows what is in store for that. Um, I keep wondering if they're just, because you know, they're doing all of these other like unrelated one-shot movies, if they're going to kind of like merge it all somehow. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's just weird. Well, if he leaves, uh, the the guy that plays Superman on Supergirl, I'm sure would be more than happy to. I'll take <laughs> step him. in. He's great. <laughs> He's pretty awesome. I would like to see him play Batman. I think he has that Bruce Wayne look, and then I would love to see Nicholas Holt be Superman. Did you read the news about the um, them going forward with a Supergirl movie too? I did. Yeah, I read that. Um, I don't know what what's to come of that. I think it's strange because they have a very popular show right now. See, that makes me wonder about the history or the uh, future of the show. Right. The show, who knows if the show's getting cut. I know that they really like live on the crossover. So if you cut any shows, you're limiting your crossover. Yeah. I I don't know. It just seems all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. We enjoy the show, although I think it's gone kind of downhill since it moved over to the CW. I actually think it was a better show when it was on CBS. Yeah. I think so too. A lot of that is budget. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, they had a bigger budget on CBS. I, I, I kind of cherry pick moments of like this moment from the first season was really good, and this moment from the second season was really good. And mm-hmm. overall, as like a cohesive story, I, I don't think they've really had like a best season. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I could probably pick out a few episodes if I went through and like, okay, my favorite moments. It probably surprised me how scattered they are. Yeah. between the two. That's how it is for me. Because I know they they mean the end of this last season on the CW they kind of uh, revamped the cast. Uh, obviously, you know we still have the same Supergirl, but a lot of the other the John Jones has has left you know to wander the earth. Yep. Uh, they brought in um, a Brainiac from the future is going to hang out you know with the with the uh, with the DOD or whatever they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been a cast change up and everything. That just yeah, it's, when you start seeing people drop off and leave and be replaced, and it's like, hmm, you know, are the ratings are? I haven't seen what the ratings are. are the ratings in trouble? Are they trying to you know spice it up a little bit, trying right. to get people interested again? Uh, I don't know. I would think packed in with all those other CW shows that seem like are doing fine, you think it would be okay, but that eh, maybe not. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's going on there. It's all over the place. Last bit of news I have. Um, I know you posted this, but I had seen it as well, um, that Apple is deleting purchased film content from people's accounts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Claiming it's actually the studios. They're saying that the studios are saying, oh, we don't want to offer that anymore. Right. Effectively, like saying, we're no longer going to print this DVD. They're saying, well, we're no longer going to offer this digital file. 
and they're taking it from people who've already purchased, purchased it, it, which I get because you're not purchasing the movie, you're purchasing a license, and if the studio or even Apple wants to say the license has run out, you don't get to have it anymore. I can understand that, but I also understand everyone's frustration. Mm-hmm. But this is why I still purchase physical media. Yes. No one's walking into your house and, and taking your disc. And we could have the discussion about the whole, oh, you're purchasing a license versus you're purchasing the digital file. I mean, I think most people think they're purchasing that file. Right. They're obviously not reading all the fine print that says it's just a license for access to that file. Mm-hmm. I don't really agree with it, – it'd be like I bought the DVD and then the studio saying – you kept the that turn that over. You were, right. just, you were just, you know, you just borrowed it. You, it was just a license for you to own that to have to hold on to that DVD for a while. That's kind of how I feel like with the uh, the movies, the digital files. I just, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't agree with the. It's just a license. Um, I think if you purchase it, if you purchase it the digital file, then that should be your property, not your property to do what what you will. I mean, it's for you for your own home use just like the dvds or the blu-rays but i feel like that's yours so and obviously that's not what the uh all the fine print and everything says when you bought it right <laughs> but because i guess it's you know it's also about server space and so even sure. to say oh those who purchased it will keep it for them but then that server space that's no longer going to be bringing in a profit mm-hmm. so I, it sounds as though legally they can do this I haven't heard anything about it being stopped or things being restored. Yeah, no, restored. I'm sure. I'm sure legally they're it, they're on the side of right, but right. It, it is unfortunate. But yes, I am a physical media person. Yep. You know, even if I don't own it, I'll borrow it from the library just right. to know that I it it's a solid thing that I can put in my machine mm-hmm. <laughs> and watch what I want to watch. And I've gotten in the habit of saying like, okay, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to look for the version that has like the digital copy. Sure, sure. And but I fully understand that. There's no guarantee that digital copy will stay, mm-hmm. you know, because the things that you watch them on, I used to watch them on like Flickster. Flickster doesn't exist anymore, so I've had to like move my library over to Vudu. But what if Vudu doesn't exist right. anymore? Like, so it, it kind of all comes down to that. Like, I can't control what I have access to, and so it's very possible that I will lose that entire digital library. But I'll still have my discs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're always going to have it, and you're always going to be able to throw it into, you know. Well, I guess a lot of laptops and stuff don't have drives anymore, so... <laughs> I still got my player. <laughs> Get a generator, and I'll just keep going when the apocalypse hits. <laughs> that's right. So that's it. All right. Yeah, that's it. That's the news. Okay, we'll go ahead and take a break and listen to a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're looking at... Oh, what year was this? 19... 1985. 1985's The Return to Oz. asked the man on the street what he thought about the After Movie Diner website and podcast, but sadly he had never heard of either and was on his way to the doctors to have a mole removed. Or it could have been a badger. He wasn't sure. It felt bigger than a mole. Also, he wasn't sure how it got up there in the first place. Anyway, we asked all the famous people, like Michael Ironside, Fred the Hammer Williamson, Ted Raimi, Barbara Crampton, Cynthia Rothbrook, and so on, that they've interviewed over there on the After Movie Diner website and podcast what they thought about the After Movie Diner website and podcast. But most of them said that if we quoted them, we would be hearing from their comical southern lawyers, complete with bow tie, meat gun, brow mopping, handkerchief. 
life. So instead, we say who cares what anyone thinks of you after Movie Diner website and podcast. You are awesome just the way you are. So don't you go changing. If you want to see for yourself, go to aftermoviediner.com or find the After Movie Diner podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. The After Movie Diner, doing it their own way since 2011. All right, we are back. Return to Oz, 1985. First time watch for me. Yep. You were familiar with the film. You've watched this quite a bit, it sounds like. Yeah, I saw it when I was a kid. I was maybe like four or five years old when I first watched it. And yeah, it made an impression. <laughs> I could see where it would on a young child. Because <laughs> that's what it was marketed as. It was marketed as, hey, it's, it's a kid's movie. It's a family film. And to this mm. day, my sister and I say this is the first horror movie we ever saw. Yes. I would... Um I, I could see for a young child that is exactly what this movie would be. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I, I remember people talking about the original Wizard of Oz and the flying monkeys and the witch scaring them and being regular terrifying. Yeah, that was never scary to me as a kid. And I no. saw that when I was very young, too. Interesting. But the uh, the wheelers and the... Uh, the wheelers and Mumby and the heads. Yeah, and, a little oh, disturbing. A little disturbing. You know, and then you get older and then you start to realize they're going to give her electroshock therapy. I'm still scared. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start out about this. Now, this was interesting. It is kind of marketed as a sequel. It wasn't, no. Actually, well, the people okay, who created it... Okay, it was assumed it, it was a, a, a sequel to the original, although it was marketed and created it created to be just another telling based on the books. Right. That's how the... So it was written and directed by Walter Murch, who really is mostly uh, like a sound editor and a film editor. Um, and But this was something he really wanted to do, and I was looking into him a little bit, and he helped write the screenplay for George Lucas's original THX film. Oh, wow. And So he's got some good like writing credits to his name, and then also by a guy by the name of Gil Dennis, who doesn't have much of a career I could find. And then, yeah, Walter Murch directed it. And so it was his idea that he really wanted to go into that darker, more sinister tone of the L. Frank Baum books. And... He met with uh, the person who was like the head of Disney at the time, and the guy said, "Like, will you tell me something that you think you know that you want to work on that we would like to do?" And he said, "I think there should be another crack at the the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. kind of stories." And they were like, "Yeah, because we actually just we we purchased the 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 licenses for all of those books years ago, and they're right. about to run out. Let's do that. Perfect, yeah, perfect timing." And so rather than tell, I think it was more of rather than tell that story that everybody knows, the MGM movie so famous, why right. try to, like, redo that? Right. No, I think that was a good call there. You don't want right. to do a remake of Wizard of Oz. That You're only going to fail. Right. So <laughs> let's just go to the next part and then kind of, you know, but because the one was MGM and this is Disney, it's not a sequel. It's not even like a spiritual successor. It's just we're going to pick up at this part. Because everybody knows what had happened, and even if it's different in tone, it's still its own movie. Yeah, apparently this was based on the uh, the second and the third book and yes. the Oz uh, books, and so. But I guess that's the trouble I have with it is, yes, it's not a sequel, but there is no way that they could successfully convince people that it wasn't a sequel. Sure. And so you can't help but, I mean, I'm sitting there watching it, and I can't shake that this is a sequel, and are you kidding me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, in your head, you're going, 
okay, so they are they have done a sequel to one of you know arguably the the world's most beloved musicals, and they're going to start by giving Dorothy electroshock therapy. Exactly. What the f <laughs> are they doing within like the first ten minutes? Yes. <laughs> You're just like, wait, what? <laughs> right. It, yeah, and that's why I love this movie. It it makes no apologies. It goes right into that tone of what like my understanding of the books are. And when it came out, by people who were big fans of the books, praised it for kind of following that that darker tone. And mm-hmm. you know that you think this is for kids, and then it's not for kids. And no, it goes right into that. And yeah, that's what I love about it. That it's going to tell kind of just this old gruesome fairy tale and it's done i should mention too it's done with an even younger actress yep. than judy garland was in the original or in the uh, mgm right. uh, wizard of oz uh, F- uh fruza balk was but, only like 11 years old yeah and this is her first film and uh-huh. a lot of people know her as uh you know from the craft yes and you can see how this kind of kickstarted her career because she's done a lot of dark roles <laughs> since she then. Has. Yeah, this stuck with her, I think, as much as it stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, first time watch, though, overall, what did you think? Since you had never seen this before, yeah, sure, it's sure, sure. very different. Um, yeah, once I kind of left the this is a sequel thing behind and kind of went, okay, this is based on some books. These are based on stories that I haven't read. And I was watched, just kind of watched the film and let it kind of wash over me and everything. No, I liked it. I mean, it was the plot on plot. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Once you get past the, I mean, you got to go. Once you get past the the disturbing hospital and the electroshock <laughs> therapy and everything, and she gets the she gets to back to Oz. The plot gets pretty simple. It's just you react to circumstances and get pushed further along. You know, the the character gets pushed further along to the end of the you know the the end of the film. Um. I was most impressed by the visuals. Yeah. Visually, this movie is incredible. I mean, where we, I think that the attempt at the, our last film we talked about, The Dark Crystal, where I think they tried for really great visuals, and some of them I think fell a little short just because of the technology or what they had in available. This one, I think they, whatever they were going for, I think they surpassed. Yes. Um, there are some dated effects. You can tell sure. the little, the green screen and some, you know, CSO kind of stuff or whatever. There is a little dated, but visually, though, it's just an amazing, amazing, amazing vi- uh, visuals in this film. Yeah. Great use of like puppetry and animatronics yes. and claymation, all just kind of seamlessly that, going that together. That impressed the heck out of me. <laughs> that was incredible. I don't know exactly how they did that, but it's kind of like, you know, did, did they just stuff a real chicken? <laughs> yeah. It looked really good. That was impressive. Yeah, and and I kept looking into it. I was like, was was the uh, Jim Henson company involved with this? And I couldn't find anywhere. Well, I think so. Brian Henson at least was um, uh, one of the people behind, uh, like um, I think a uh, Pumpkinhead, Jack, Jack. Yeah, um, and so I, I believe the Henson company was okay. Because yeah, it's it's top notch. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, because I think by that time they were. Were they part of Disney by that time? Had Disney bought Henson by that? I don't know if they had bought them, but I know like they were involved. I mean, Disney had wanted Henson forever, right. so yeah, I definitely think they were somewhere involved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, there's no like definitive like in the Jim Henson production. Yeah, no, there was none of that. But right. no, I did see uh, credits of Brian Henson, assuming it was 
the Brian Henson was involved with with Jack, you know, but maybe he was just working for Disney, you sure. know, as a puppeteer or as a you know a, a stunt actor or but something yeah, like that. It has that top tier Henson production kind of quality to it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean TikTok, TikTok is phenomenal. <laughs> I had a look. I'm watching. That. I was like, how in the world does he? Move. Move. <laughs> Apparently, they had to have the stuntman was like upside down and with his legs like crossed behind him. So he was actually walking on his hands. Getting a contortionist in there. Yeah. TikTok's my favorite character in this movie. The voice. Uh, who, who does his voice? There's a couple different people that uh, involved in almost all the uh, characters. Yes. Uh, Sean Barrett does the voice of TikTok and his voice and the way TikTok moves, the way like, you know, just his design, even that like copper kind of color he has going on and the mustache. And I love the little mustache that would sort of move move up and down. The only emotion was his mustache. The blue of his eyes and even how like when he has to fight, he's just spinning around real fast. Every little facet of TikTok I love. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah, kind of take this from the beginning. It's supposed to be set six months after Dorothy's returned from her first trip to Oz. Right. Everyone thinks she's just made it up. Yeah, um, I got a whole different view about uh, Aunt, Auntie M and uh, well, Uncle Henry there. Yeah. Uncle Henry's, like, depressed, but they never really address how or why. Maybe it's because, like, you know, his farm's failing, but... He's just sort of fallen into a depression. He won't fix up the new house, and right. no work is getting done. And now they have yeah, to. They, they do it in passing. We were saying that he, you know, he he had a broken leg, but it's mended. But he still just sits on his butt and doesn't right. finish the house. And they have to. They're still paying off the house that got pulled away. The house that they're working on now. Mm-hmm. They've got troubles. And oh, by the way, Dorothy can't sleep because she's just she's still thinking about this wonderful place that she just came back from. Right. So rather than like anybody say, because it's supposed to be like a couple of months before turn of the century into Mm -hmm. 1900, rather than anyone say, well, she went through something traumatic. She got pulled along in a tornado. Somehow she survived. She just fabricated the whole thing to cope with the trauma. They're like, nah, let's electrocute her and see if that helps her fall asleep. Yeah, we'll see if we can just erase those bad nightmares. Like, the next step is let's lobotomize the kid and just stick her in a cell. Like, that's the third movie. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, not a big fan of Auntie M and and Uncle Henry here. And they're all okay because it's also that part of, like, electricity's still new and it's Mm -hmm. exciting. And, you know, Dorothy doesn't have that back at her house. They just do everything by candlelight. Right. And so they all just trust this doctor of, like, electricity, it's the future, it's going to do everything. And there's electricity in your brain and we're going to set your brain you know, balanced again. And cause there's even the part where like she's in her, cause she's been committed to this hospital and she's in her room and she turns the light switch on and it scares her for right. a second. She's Makes never seen jump. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's in there and then there's this other girl who's a patient that's in he- there and you but don't really know what's she, going on. Right. The girl, who, who was the girl? Cause she just sort appears. of magically appears. Right. Yeah, you don't see her come in the door. You don't see her leave the door. She's just always there. Right. And and then the nurse is terrifying. The way yeah. she's dressed, she looks like she's the got a knife. Witch. Right. And so it's the night where they're going to give her her electroshock therapy. And it's all the way to the part that the things are on her ears. The machine is on. His hand is on the freaking switch. And then the power goes out. 
because there's a storm coming. Right. Because that's when you want to mess around with electricity is when there's a lightning storm (laughs) going on. Well, (laughs) Frankenstein won't won't have been filmed for another 30 years, you know, at this point. (laughs) So... You hear moaning from, like, the basement of this place, and so they apparently there's, like, some kind of, like... Damaged patients. Damaged. Patients who've been damaged is how it gets worded Mm -hmm. when that girl shows up. By the mysterious girl. Yes, she shows up. Yeah, patients who've been damaged, which I thought was a really interesting line of, like, they didn't come in that way, but that's Mm -hmm. how they are now. So they escape in the commotion. The nurse chases them. They jump in the river. It seems as though the girl drowns. Dorothy gets in a in a crate she wakes up and she's in oz and the chicken's with her for yeah some reason i guess the belina belina who's great yeah <laughs> i love her she's very sarcastic and everything yeah who can suddenly talk yeah yes she's, and that's Bel- how belina the chicken from the farm is suddenly with her and can talk and can talk and that's how dorothy knows she's in oz mm-hmm. and right away they let you know this is not the oz from mgm because there is a desert that if you touch it it will kill you right yes dorothy is much more knowledgeable about oz than you would have gotten the impression that's where you, you finally yeah like you said that's when you realize okay this isn't the dorothy we know right and this must be the dorothy from the book who yes. who experienced much more time in oz than we did mhm so they make their way. And I like this Oz more than the other one. There's mm. real danger to it. It's not just like, oh, the trees are going to throw apples on you. It's like, no, if you right. touch the desert, you're dead. Right. And the desert surrounds Oz. So Oz is really just sort of like this oasis. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I love the lunch pail tree. Who right. doesn't want that in their backyard? <laughs> just go grab one. Hey, a ham sandwich. Oh, don't, don't pick a green one. <laughs> right. Make sure there's ripe. And so... They discover the yellow brick road has been like demolished mm-hmm. and they, they she runs all the way up to the Emerald City and it's it's in ruins and everyone's been turned to statues and even that, that look of like how and they don't even call him the Tin Man. He's the Tin Woodsman. I mm-hmm. like that more. Mm-hmm. And I like his design more than the design in the MGM the, the, one. The spindly legs and yeah. the more robotic. And I of. get it, there's like what, like 50 years between these films you could do more but just the fact that he is like a full tin woodsman and not a guy whose face was spray painted right and the cowardly lion is a lion it's Mm -hmm. not a guy in a lion suit (laughs) it's a full lion and then there's a bunch of like headless women in a circle and then the wheelers show up Mm -hmm. wheelers are very creative yes that i it actually actually has me a little curious to read the bomb books and find out how much of this really comes from uh, L. Frank Baum. Because the wheelers are, yeah, they're just, I don't know. They're, first, they, they start out and you see these hor- horrific faces, but it turns out that's just their helmets. Yep. They lift their heads and, that, you know, and they're worse. <laughs> they're actually worse. They're, they're, they're just manic people with these long arms and legs with have wheels at the end of them. Yeah. And that that's part of that whole, like you were saying, of, of you know, the design was, was better than like you know, the Dark Crystal. Because like when they saw those like those walking things in the Dark Crystal, you could see how it was just people on stilts, stilts. and it was clunky. Clearly, like, their arms are, like, they're holding on to some some kind of thing that connects their hands to the wheels, but it's very seamless. It just mm-hmm. looks like they have these eight-foot-long legs or, right. and arms with wheels on them, and they get around. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really skating yeah. around out there. I wonder how much that took to practice. Yeah, no kidding. 
and yeah, it, and the sounds of the wheels, which is the sound of the stretcher from the hospital. It's that whole like you were there and you were there. She's seeing bits right. and pieces of what's going on. And yet they're terrifying and they're laughing at her and mm-hmm. they're, they're just slowly creeping in. And Yeah, and you're, uh, more to your point, too, the head wheeler is the same guy that played the uh, the orderly at the hospital. Yep. So you get a lot of that same mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, crossover. So she's literally like trapped in a corner and they're gaining on her and they're creeping in on her. And you don't know what they're about to do. Are they just going to bring her somewhere? Are they going to kill her right what's going on Eater. <laughs> right you, anything any and, and that's the other part that makes this movie scary is they put a lot of what-ifs in your head and never answer those questions and you're mm-hmm. just left to panic yeah fortunately though she had a key that she found on her farm yes. which she thinks was sent by shooting star by yeah. her friends in oz yes but this key is from oz and fits this lock that's in this corner and Let's her find a sort of a, a secret room, mm-hmm. I guess, where she uh, discovers her first new friend, which is the TikTok. TikTok. And I just love how, you know, he's the Royal Army of Oz mm-hmm. all by himself. Yep. <laughs> and he's got three, like, because he's not alive. He's a machine. And he's got these three wind-up things on his back. One is for his thinking. One is for his speech. And one is for his action. And mm-hmm. I just like how she's like, well, I'll t- turn on his thinking. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he's thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'll turn on the speech so we can find out. (laughs) And so he fills her in that, um, that the, you know, that the scarecrow was, was King of Oz and that there was an attack from the gnome King Mm -hmm. and he was put in there, told to wait for Dorothy. And then his, his gears wound down and then he's been there ever since and didn't know what had been happening until she turned him back on. So they go out TikTok fights off the wheelers in the coolest way I yes. think could have been done, uh, is holding one of them by like the throat. <laughs> and then they get taken to the woman who's now ruling the Emerald City. Was it Mumbi? Mumbi. Princess Mumbi, who just sits in her castle all day playing her mandolin. Creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's a little weird. You walk in and you're like, mandolin right (laughs) and then she's just sitting there and she's got like these metal spikes coming out of her dress and it's fantastic the uh the actual palace and everything is amazing beautiful and and it's all gold and mirrored and i i will admit i kept watching waiting to see a mistake right where's the film crew right where's Where's the camera yeah where's the camera and i did i didn't i've been looking for years (laughs) and i've never seen one (laughs) so Mumby is kind of like aloof at first when Dorothy's just saying like, you know, we're looking for the scarecrow. What's going on? This, that, and the other. And she's like, come with me. And, you know, your your friend, the chicken and your, your army man, he can stay here. And she brings her into this corridor. Hall of heads. 30 heads just sitting and they're alive. Mm-hmm. All looking at her, watching right. as they go by. They're each behind a glass door and that was probably the part when I was a kid that scared me the most. That I was just sort of like, this isn't right. I feel weird inside. <laughs> <laughs> and she takes off her head and she puts on a new one and you realize that's what the the heads outside are. She's mm-hmm. collected heads and she now she wants to collect Dorothy's so she's going to throw her into the tower and let her get a bit older and so she can have her head. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> TikTok tries to save the day, but his action runs down because he had spent it fighting the wheelers. Mm-hmm. She's in uh, the tower and that's when she meets Jack, the pumpkin head, who 
doesn't know well he knows how he got there but he knows he was made by the woman that he calls his mom but he never met his mom because his mom just sort of put him together to scare mumby mumby did get scared but then decided to bring him to life with her powder of life and that gives him the idea to take this big moose looking thing that's a gump and try to make a flying couch by bringing it to life. Which, I'm sorry, the talking headless moose. (laughs) It's a gump. Bodiless moose, I should say. The gump, yeah. That alone is disturbing, too. Yes. The the whole idea. Like, (laughs) oh, well, I was in the forest and heard a loud noise, and now I'm here. Like, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's Those are the parts that, as a kid, I didn't notice, and then as an adult, I do. And so it's still a scary movie for different reasons. Yes. But... The part that scared me as a kid and the part that still scares me now is she has to go get the powder of life that's in the head door number 31, which is Mumby's original head, which is kept behind a mirror mm-hmm. rather than glass. And I wonder if that's like a whole thing of like Mumby actually hates herself. Yeah. She doesn't want to look at herself. There's Mumby's I, head. I have to admit, I was a little, I was like, I'm not even sure I want to see what's behind that door. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, this is going to be gross or something, isn't it? And so it's her, and all the heads are asleep, and so she's creeping along. The suspense is so through the roof for this scene. Like, what were you thinking as this was going on? Well, like I said, I was like, I was wondering what in the world is going to be behind this door. <laughs> First, she had to do the, uh, she had to, you know, very gingerly get the key from Mumby, who's mm. sleeping headless. Sleeping headless and snoring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know what's going I, yeah, on there. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I, maybe it's just that a was flap. <laughs> that, that wasn't snoring. I don't know. But um, and then yeah, she has to creep down this hallway, try not to wake all these heads because she doesn't know what these heads will do. Was this going to be like a portrait of Dorian Gray moment where she's going to open and find this desiccated skull or something in there? It, yeah, I was, <laughs> all scary because what yeah. they did was scary. That would have been scary. You know, a stump. I don't know anything. Just. All of it. Because mm. the tension for me is always through the roof in that scene. She goes to get the powder of life, accidentally knocks something else over, and the head wakes up and delivers the scariest way of saying Dorothy's name ever. <laughs> and so all the heads wake up. The headless body wakes up. She gets the powder of life, but Dorothy locks the cabinet, so it takes the, the body a while to get the head free. But, yeah, that's mm-hmm. Mombi's real head, so that's, like, her most vicious personality. Right. They bring the gump to life. They get on the gump and it has like what, like palm leaves? Palm leaves, yeah. For wings and then they fly off to the Gnome King's mountain. They get there. Mumby. I liked uh I liked they couldn't um they couldn't finish in time because uh TikTok just started going kind of started mumbling and wasn't making any sense because his uh his thinking wound down right <laughs> and i like that part of when jack is like if he if his thinking is off how is he talking and moving and, she, and dorothy goes happens to people all the time jack yes. and like she's a very insightful child uh-huh. yep <laughs> and so they fly out there and the gump isn't that well put together so they almost crash mm-hmm. but they you know they just land on the mountain and that's when they meet the gnome king who actually kind of has a valid argument of, you know, he's mad because all of the emeralds in the Emerald City are his. Right. They were taken from his mountain. I like how he, he turned, you know, Dorothy wants the stuff back. He's, if you steal something, you should return it. He's like, oh, really? Yeah. Right. So you think if someone steals something from somebody, they should return it. Right. Yeah. Which is his whole argument. Mm-hmm. So he just took his emeralds back and, but in his getting him back he also decided to you know 
get some revenge too. Mm-hmm. But you don't know like where his power came from, and then she she ends up inside the gnome king's like mount inside the mountain, and then we see the scarecrow for a second. Right again, great design to the scarecrow, mm-hmm. and he vanishes, and the gnome king reveals himself, and he says that he turned the scarecrow into another little knickknack inside his mountain, and he explains that he just took what you know, took back what was rightfully his, and punished the people for stealing from him. And then all of her companions meet up with her, and then he reveals that he has the ruby slippers, mm-hmm. that when she went home, that's why they didn't go with her. They fell off, and now that's why he's powerful. He's got the most powerful magical object in all of Oz. So he decides to play a game. Go inside you know, his nice little treasure trove of stuff. Everybody gets three chances to discover where the scarecrow is. Put your hand on an object, say Oz, and if you get guess right, the scarecrow will be returned. And if you guess wrong, you're going to become one of the It'll objects. Be a knickknack. And with each time one of them fails, he's becoming more and more human. And I love those transitions of mm-hmm. he's full claymation, he's half claymation. The makeup was amazing yes. at the end of that. And that, and then it's just the actor, and it's the guy who played the doctor. He's the gnome king, and he's just got like clay and paint on his face Mm -hmm. and you know his eyes become real but it looks i mean the makeup is so good that you you really can't like where does one stop and where does one begin yeah where does the makeup stop and the prosthetics begin is he claymation i mean it's it's all yeah it's all done it's like this is what like really good cgi today would look like yeah this was done in mid 80s with practical effects yes Really impressive. Very impressive. So she, Dorothy's the last one to go in, and she just by chance discovers that everyone who's been turned into an object, the object is green. green. And so that starts zapping the Gnome King of some of his power and starts turning him more and more into a rock person. He gets angry because this was supposed to be a rigged game that she's figured out. So he attacks, and he's about to kill them all, and she's slowly finding different green objects. She gets the Scarecrow first, and then she gets the Gump back, and then she gets Jack back. So he's going to go eat them, because he's a monster. Mm -hmm. He eats the couch of the Gump, but they pull the head off. And then he goes to eat Jack, and throughout the whole movie, the Gnome King and Mumby and even the Wheelers were upset that Belina the Chicken was there, but nobody said why. Yeah. Through the entire film, there was like this anti-animal stance. Anti-chicken. It, it almost seemed like animal, period. Like really? no one wanted any animals around. <laughs> so he goes to eat Jack, but doesn't know Belina is hiding out inside his giant pumpkin head. She's terrified. Literally lays an egg. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently eggs are poisons to gnomes. Who knew? Who knew? Perfect little get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so it falls into the Gnome King's mouth. It's poison. He dies. She gets the ruby slippers from his crumbled corpse. Mm -hmm. And she wishes everybody back in the Emerald City restored. And at the last minute, they find the knickknack for TikTok after they've escaped. I was wondering about, like, oh, my gosh, did they actually just kill off a character here. yes you're scared for a moment yeah. and then they they he's on the gumps like antler mm-hmm. and it was just a, some sort of like a, a ribbon of a, an award ribbon or yeah, something which like makes that. sense yeah. he's he's the sure. royal army of oz and then yeah. it's like a little medal of valor mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, and then everyone wants Dorothy to be the queen of Oz, and that's when finally, you know, because throughout the movie, you were also seeing, like, this weird shape in the mirrors. Right, which I assumed was the good witch of the yes North or whatever she was. I forget. Uh, Glinda? Glinda the good, yeah, yeah Glinda no, the No, she witch. never shows up in this movie. She no. never even gets mentioned. I assume that's who that was. Right. Through the whole film. Had a look about yeah. her. But it's it's the girl, and mm-hmm. she's in the mirror, and then Dorothy, and then... She says to Dorothy, help me come through the glass, and she helps her walk through, and it turns out she's Jack's mom. She's Ozma, the rightful queen of Oz. So she takes her place on the throne, and Dorothy says she has to go back home, and Ozma sends her home, and then she just wakes up alongside the riverbed. Right. And found by by Aunt Em. By Toto. Oh, yeah, Toto. Toto finds her. Yeah. Cutest dog ever. It's all right. It's a terrier. I'm not a big fan. Oh, but. I was. I love that dog. <laughs> yeah, well, Andy Ann had come to pick her up after she was supposed to have this procedure, and then she promised that she would bring Toto with her to yes. pick, when they picked Dorothy up. So, yes, Toto finds her. Aunt Em finds her. Uncle Henry is there. It turns out the uh, hospital, we'll just call it, we'll call it a hospital, <laughs> was struck by lightning last night and burned to the ground. And that the doctor was the only one that died. Mm. Much like the Gnome King. Yes. And that we don't get why, but the nurse... Is being hauled away by the police. Right. Just And then Mumby had been in a cage back in Oz. Right. And so, it, it again, it does that whole thing of, did she imagine it? Did she dream it? You know, did it really happen? And only recently, I've kind of come up with this theory that Dorothy's world and Oz are parallel dimensions where everybody has a copy on mm-hmm. the other side and what happens to one of you on one side will affect the you on the other so if the gnome king died that's what killed the doctor oh, if mumby sure. okay. gets arrested that's then you have to arrest yeah. the nurse mm-hmm. something you know isn't right and that dorothy's other self is ozma Okay. That's who that is. That's why they have that connection. That's why they're able to see each other. Because there's a part where you see the the shape of Ozma running around in Mumby's mirrors. Mirrors, yeah. and and Mumby even says like, "Oh, there you are." Like, "Oh, I almost forgot about you." Mm-hmm. Well, no one knows who you are. No one even knows where you are. Makes me think like she got banished to the real world, which is why Dorothy was able to see her on and off. Mm-hmm. But she still has some power, maybe. Maybe. She's not really from there. And it's At least only... be able to pass through a door. Right. <laughs> and that only Dorothy was the one that could physically bring her back because they have that, that you know, parallel connection. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just kind of how I've look at it that Oz is a real place and everybody has a, a doppelganger on the you know, other side. You know, it makes somewhat, some sense in a way because every time that... Uh, Dorothy meets the girl. He, she first, we first see her in a reflection. Yep. Before we actually see her in the room. Mm-hmm. So I, it makes sense that she's, yeah, Seen. coming through somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's being sent through. And yeah, once she restores her, that kind of restores the sense of balance. And that's why Dorothy has to go back. You can't be on both sides. Right. Interesting. Uh, I actually, until the end, I was thinking, are we going to end with me wondering? Did maybe the this this whole thing is a dream brought on by the electrocution? <laughs> that <laughs> she thought, wakes up in the cell. <laughs> uh, not even wakes up. I just like she, if, if this movie ends with her like in Oz amongst all her friends. I'm I'm going to be sitting here wondering if 
no, the lights didn't go out. <laughs> he flipped the switch. That would have been the darkest of endings. <laughs> yeah. That's where I was kind of going with this. Yeah. So any any highlight scenes, any moments that we either mentioned or didn't mention? Uh, you no, know, not that I think. I think you mentioned it, and we kind of talked about it all. The effects were brilliant in this. Uh, some of the uh, the stones, actually, the animation on the stones. You see the faces as yeah. they watch, and it's it's just simple animation, or maybe a, a claymation kind of sort of blended in, done really well yeah. to the point. It's just like I said, it's a little dated because of the time it was made, but it's really still very effective. Yes. I really like that. Uh, the look of the wheelers was really creative. Um, the Gnome King and all the effects there, I think, were fantastic. Yeah, no, just uh, all the visuals, I thought, were just top-notch. There really, really wasn't anything that I, I saw and just felt didn't live up to kind of like what just I what I just saw before. You know, it still holds up. Yeah. Um, like I said, there is some of the green screen issues and stuff, but... Yeah, because when she first gets to Oz, I, when I was re-watching it and she starts looking around, I just went, oh, look at this painting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you can definitely tell when they were doing some uh, uh, the heads and picking up the heads yeah. and everything. You the the, the telltale outline yeah. of, uh, is there, and but it's not, it doesn't quite marry up exactly when she sets it on the pedestal. It looks a little off and everything. But those are kind of things that maybe it, certainly if I was younger, I wouldn't have picked up. And right. It's something that I pick up now because I watch these films in. I can't help but my, you know, technically critical eye on some things, you know, I, I pick that kind of stuff up. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I certainly wouldn't like knock the film for no. that. Cause it doesn't really like burst that bubble at all. It doesn't take you out. You just, you notice it and then you're you in a on. magical world. Gosh, right. only knows what things are going to look like exactly. and, and how things are really work. You mm-hmm. know, I thought, uh, Faruza Balk was really good for an 11 year old girl. Um, I think she did an amazing job. She she plays Dorothy very well because, you know, she has those moments where she's scared. She has those moments where she's being brave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's also, she's very kind. She's sweet. She's well-mannered. Like, she you know, she curtsies. Curtsies when she yeah, introduces, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, I, I really like the job. I, I love her as this Dorothy. Like, I would have been on board for, like, two, three more movies with her as, as Dorothy, just seeing her grow up. You know, considering you know the career path that uh, Balk has taken, you know, maybe maybe it's time to revisit Oz <laughs> as, as older Dorothy. As older Dorothy, I'd be down for that. Yeah, absolutely. That might actually be interesting. Get back into these just darker kind of Oz movies. And you could honestly, you could make it. I mean, if you wanted to make it still sort of quote unquote family, you could. But if you wanted to actually go horror. I might be a might be the time. Yeah, I I think Oz as a horror is is a great idea. There was actually uh, a couple seasons ago an episode of Supernatural where they do that, and and the the Dorothy from the books is supposed to be L. Frank Baum's daughter, and she had been in Oz this whole time. Gotcha. And the Wicked Witch breaks out, and so Dorothy breaks out, and so Dorothy's like in her. 20s and it has to do with this whole thing of like time moves different in Oz so mm. it's only been a few years for Dorothy but it's been a century for everyone else and you realize Oz is a terrifying place like there's even a part where she's like oh those damn monkeys I hate those <laughs> monkeys and then she just mentions other things and you're just sort of like Oz sounds like a scary freaking mm-hmm. place that I never want to go to and exactly. that would make a great series right now of just Oz the horrifying yeah huh yeah 
No, I think I think maybe now's the time for something like that, and I think that I definitely think it would work, and it'd be neat if they could tie it in somehow with some of the tales that have already been told. I feel like I was kind of coming in, not knowing. You feel like this movie feels like it should be a sequel, even though it's not, and you feel like you're missing something, and maybe that missing something is having not read the books. Sure. So you really do come in just. I got nothing. You know, you're talking about things that happened in the past that we weren't a party to. We thought we were, mm-hmm. but we're not. And that, it, it it's a while to get over that stumbling block. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that was probably, like, they could have explained her better why she was there, but I think that's why they threw Belina in there of, she's going to explain things because they're really explaining it to us. If they could mm-hmm. have said something like, why is my chicken with me in the hospital? Right. <laughs> something like that. But I, yeah. I guess because I watched it as a kid, so I didn't question as a kid, so I don't question it now. Almost could have, like, after, if this movie had done well, because that was the other problem, is it bombed. Yeah. Uh, so they just... Well, I like I said, I can't help but think that there was no way they, they could convince people that it wasn't connected to the MGM film. Well, the big problem was that critics came out and said that it's a good movie, but who is it for? Because mm-hmm. it's not a kid's movie. It's too scary for kids. I don't know. I watched it when I was six. I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's the right amount of scary for yes. a young kid. It, uh, no, it is absolutely. I can see where a young child would be scared, but it's not the kind of scared that is going to have them, you know, huddled in a corner in a ball of tears or anything like that. I think it's the right kind of scare. I, yes, I believe there is a certain level of fear that a child should be, I think, exposed to when film and entertainment or whatever, because it, it, that can lead to a lot of fun. Definitely, and I think this film kind of it walks that line, and it it balances itself perfectly, where it's a little bit scary for the kids, but it's not so scary that the parents can't sit there and explain, you know, things to the kids. You know, they don't have to try to. Well, you'll understand when you're older. No, right. it's nothing. Well, you know, they're just actors, and they do this, and you roller skate. I mean, they can <laughs> they can connect it to real things to help you know, help the kids cope. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. No, I think it's the right amount of scary. I think the only thing that it would really scare a kid out of is going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely don't don't take him anywhere to, like, the, you know, hear, have his hearing checked. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, they put them on her ears. They don't yeah. put them on her temples. I didn't remember that until I rewatched it the other yeah. day. I was like, I, wait. I don't think that's where that how that works. Right. You're going to electrocute her. That's going to hurt a lot. Uh-huh. Your earlobes are going to be burned. <laughs> yeah. No, I I did enjoy the film. I did. I, I liked it. I, I don't know if it's kind of the, one of these movies that I will, you know, go back to a lot or anything. I think it's one of these films that I'll, okay, now I've, I've watched that. And maybe I'll watch it again. And I'm kind of curious. I, I wanted to sit down and watch it with the whole family and everything just to see what their thoughts were when we didn't get a chance. So maybe sometime in the in the future, it might be something to sit down and get the, uh, the, the view of a 13, 14 year old. Yeah. Know, see what Or a whole think. bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Movie party. Let's scare some kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course, he's, you know, he's twice as old as you were when you first saw it, but yeah. at this point, but I still would be curious to see what he would think of it. I definitely don't think it'd be scary for him. No. So I think it might be, it might be fun. You know, what was interesting is you, because, you know, every time we're about to watch something, you, you tease it on the, the Facebook group. And we actually got yeah. some feedback Yeah, I was this actually going to bring that up. Um, 
Chad had jumped in. He said, uh, Matt reminded me of this film some months ago, and I can't believe I almost forgot it. Not really a children's movie, weird and disturbing. I never realized how much of an influence its imagery and themes had on me. And I really think that goes true for me, too. That, you know, I got exposed to this as a, at a very young age. And kind of from there on, I always gravitated to interesting imagery, you know, mm-hmm. a, you know, tension, things feeling dangerous, the darker side of things. I've always been into that, like, darker tone. And it probably did start with this movie. Very possible. I could see where that could happen. And then he added, uh, surreal storytelling is incredibly difficult to get right. I think Return to Oz pulls it off about as well as can be done. Often surreal stories are inscrutable to all but the writer. I'm looking at you, Donnie Darko. (laughs) Describing Return to Oz, it sounds like a dream or a nightmare, but it still has a plot you can follow and and a character you can relate to. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. Do you want to read the rest? Yeah, we should. Good. You got it up already, so. Steve Sullivan jumped in here that he uh, says that he really likes the film. It's edgy and creepy, yet fairly true to the stories. More true than the beloved MGM film, at least in my remembering. Some great talent involved, and he hopes we liked it. So, yes, we did. And um, Scott Morris just chimed in that he's seen this many times, and um, he, he said he's seen this movie many times and has never seen Wizard of Oz. So I think that's probably beneficial, actually, yes. for this film. It's and, surprising. Yeah, that is a little surprising, actually. And Pete Quint just says that the, it's such a creepy film. So that's it. Yeah, Scott Morris actually hosts the Disney Indiana podcast. Okay. Uh, where they review just you know Disney films, which you know, they love it now because Disney owns Everything. So now they get Star Wars and all the Marvel and everything. So um, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess Wizard of Oz still falls outside of Disney for the time being. They haven't bought MGM yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> but uh, no, being that well versed in all those types of films and everything, it's kind of surprising that uh, Wizard of Oz hasn't fallen in his uh, in his player. I now that I'm thinking of it, I don't remember who made it, but I remember also seeing like this animated. Wizard of Oz show that I think was on like HBO in early mornings when I was like hmm. nine or ten years old, and it it, it we told this story of like in Dorothy's back in Oz, she's with the the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion, and like the witch, the Wicked Witch had like been brought back to life, and so it's kind of like round two. Hmm. I don't have like too many like specific memories of it, but I remember that being a little bit darker in tone as well. There's been a lot of return to Oz or things returning to Oz. Yeah. Uh, there is a return to Oz. that was a TV movie in 64. Oh, here, return to Oz, Tales of the Wizard of Oz TV series it was actually from 64, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it had been you know, uh, rebroadcast at some point or another. So that something like that could be. But yeah, there's been a lots of um, animated things that have gone back to the Wizard of Oz. There was a made for TV movie, I think Sci-Fi Channel did a. a I think that one was like Tin Man, I think is what it was called. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I seem to remember liking it. I have to go back and rewatch that. But I seem to remember that actually being pretty decent. And that reminds me, because even in this movie, in Return to Oz, as she describes the Tin Woodsman, 
even that was creepy. She's just sort of like, oh, yeah, he was out in the woods and he accidentally cut off his leg. And then somebody yeah. enchanted his axe and he just kept cutting off parts of his body until he was all made of tin. And I'm less like, that's a gruesome scene that I'm, I can't get out of my head now. Yeah, that, that wasn't in the first film. No. It was just sort of <laughs> like, yeah, there the he book. is. <laughs> right. He just started cutting off. Like, she's like, even his head was. And then, like, somebody interrupts her. And like, it's just like, no, 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 we can, we can stop there. We can stop now. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. If that doesn't get you intrigued to actually read the books, and you know, I think the I think the book would be an eye opening experience because yeah. if all you're familiar with is the MGM, which right. the, follow the yellow brick route, yeah, <laughs> I am. That's that's my you know that's the only Wizard of Oz I knew, and opened a door, yeah. Because it's a long book series. It's like over a dozen books. Is so it? there's a lot there, and I think after this movie came out and it didn't do well. Um, they didn't like re-up any of their licenses. So the books are now in the public domain. So anybody can tell whatever story they want. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, like we said, I think there's something there to tell in the horror genre. Yep. So yeah, no, great film. And like I said, I think the only thing that goes against it is that, you know, you can't help but have the MGM in your head when you start watching it and you have to like just completely disassociate the two and it, it's a little... It's a little tricky at first. Yeah. So maybe going in knowing that it's not a sequel, yeah. despite being called Return to Oz, <laughs> um, maybe another name. I don't know what they could have done, but um, yeah, that's that's the thing you got to go in knowing is that it has nothing to do with anything you know unless you've read the books. Yeah. So. So before we go, though, I do want to mention or I did want to bring up a Floyd sent in an email. Uh, this was actually a couple weeks ago now. He says, in my previous email, I said I was far behind the podcast. Well, since he didn't record for a month, I wasn't as far behind as I thought. And actually, I guess that means he didn't. This was probably just about the time that I recorded the interview with Henry Kudo. So maybe he can't, He didn't listen to that. It's a shameful. You should have. <laughs> he says, I'm looking forward to seeing Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard again. Even though Chris doesn't like this decision to reprise his role, I'm glad you guys discussed it further and realized that he wouldn't take on his project without giving it a lot of thought. Yes. Even though Chris and I have differing opinions on a Star Trek discovery, I will agree that the trend to make things darker and grittier gets old. So many remakes, reboot, so many remakes, reboots are guilty of this. Why do we need to see a? Why do we need to see a darker and grittier version of something that was enjoyed by millions in its older format? That being said, I did like the story in Discovery, and I've heard that they plan on lightening things up for the next season and focus on the exploration aspect. I certainly hope so. It's been a little while since we've seen that for any Star Trek film or series. As for Andromeda, which I brought up, the, oh, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed the series, except for the last season. I thought Kevin Sorbo did a fine job in the role. I will admit I liked him in Hercules better, but he still did a good job as Captain Hunt. I just wish that hadn't made that totally confusing last season. So I'm watching it on Comet, so maybe the last season will make more sense. Speaking of comments, Space 1999 is now airing, and next September 12th through the 15th, Breakaway 2019 is taking place in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, celebrating 20th anniversary of the moon being blasted out of orbit. So, yeah. <laughs> Floyd's in hog heaven there. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was wondering. I saw that that was on there, that they were doing the common. I was wondering if they were going to be the, um, I think they just recently uh, remastered the the uh, things to... Um, 4K or for a DVD Blu-ray release. So I wonder if Comet's showing the uh, updated uh, Masters. That would be interesting. Mm. Again, that's another series where I think the, the visuals outweigh just about everything else about the series, at least for me. So, 
All right, but that's all I've got. Anything else? Nope. That's it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you have not seen Return to Oz, I would recommend it. I do. Just just go in knowing that, you know, it may be different than anything else you've known. It's not a musical. (laughs) Definitely no song and dance. No. (laughs) Uh, but it's, it was very interesting to watch. And, uh, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think I, maybe I will revisit it again fairly soon. So <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.